0: I've got another test batch today, and this is a quick and easy test batch because the base beer itself isn't really the important part. The important part is the adjuncts I'm gonna add in post-fermentation. So much more about that test base style and what I'm doing after it's done in this episode right now. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing, I am Matt, and today I am making a quick and easy test batch of a golden stout, or sometimes called a white stout, depending on where you find the style. This is not a new style, by any means. In fact, it's it's been around for quite a few years, and this isn't even the first time it's been on this feed. If you go back all the way to 2018, and find my 13 Beers for Halloween series within a series, basically, there is a white stout that I made called Swamp Yeti. So not even a new beer for this this channel, technically. But if you are unfamiliar with this style, it's a beer that looks like a Blondale, but tastes like a stout. And that usually comes from post-fermentation additions, some roastiness, usually from coffee, and a little bit maybe of a chocolate taste, usually from cacao nibs. It's kind of a play on the style. It looks like one thing, tastes like another. The very first one I had, I think, was called Mind Trick. Uh, maybe it was called Jedi Mind Trick, but since we're in Orlando, Disney came knocking and put an end to that right away. But the idea behind that is, like I said, it looks like one thing, tastes like another. It can be a fun style if done right. Now, this particular white style is being made for a specific event, and it is my new Favorite festival and competition in Florida. It is the iron home brewer charity festival and competition hosted by the Pasco County Brewers Guild. The idea of this competition is kind of based on iron chef. You enter your, you, you sign up, you pay your entry fee, but you have no idea what ingredient, the secret ingredient is. And it's not a secret ingredient. There's no one secret ingredient for the entire festival. Everyone gets their own secret ingredient. This year, they had a pool of 169 ingredients. Here's some that have already been assigned. Waffles, donuts, marmalade, bitters, curry, teriyaki, beets, pink peppercorn, plantains, cranberries, altoids, tarragon, and espresso. And espresso was the one my wife and I were assigned. This is something we collab on. We do this together. This is the second year we've done this festival in this competition. Last year, we were extremely lucky. We were assigned Malamars. If you don't know what a Malamar is, it's just another take on like a s'more or a moon pie. I believe Nabisco makes them. They're a seasonal snack cookie thing. And it's like a little small, almost shortbread slash gingerbread hybrid cookie with a dollop of marshmallow on it. And all of that is covered with dark chocolate. So for our beer, we made an American porter. We got... Three boxes of malamars. We rough chopped up one box, put it in the mash, rough chopped another box, put them in muslin bags, boiled it. And then the last one, I think we took about half the box and cut it up between a few mason jars and would cover those chopped up malamars with vodka and create a tincture that took about, uh, let's say about a, we did it for about a week. And then we poured that in very last minute. Like it was actually the, well, we filtered it first, but it was. The night before the competition, we didn't even taste this beer until we got to the competition and everything was set up. And we were happy with it. We knew we were happy with it, like I just said. But apparently, the judges were as well because out of, I think, around 40 entries that day, we took third place. What happens is the judges will narrow it down to five beers and then rank everyone fifth through first. And we got third. The reason I point out the five beers is because then those five beers are, there's five baskets at the um, kind of like the centerpiece table of the festival. And then the crowd is all given a ticket and they put their ticket in which one they like best as a crowd favorite. We were told we missed out on tying for the crowd favorite by two tickets, which means we lost. By, <laughs> if we had three more friends show up, we could have won. That was crazy. We had no idea is going to be that well received and we've since made this beer for other festivals in orlando in fact the orlando beer festival this past november we just made it for it. it was a huge hit but now we're tasked with espresso and this is the third test batch we are making with espresso this one is my wife's and i'm going to brew it today because she started a new job and her schedule's a little weird and it's just the the, the test batch i'm following her recipe we we're both accomplished brewers at this point in fact once she's really gotten started into brewing, I think like her metal pace is as good as, as even with mine. So she knows what she wants. She knows what she's talking about. We compliment each other well on our strengths and make up for the other, like lack of knowledge and some weak points. So we're a good team with things, especially with oddball things like this. So her golden stout recipe, I'm going to go ahead and brew it. Like I said, it's a third test batch we did. The first test batch we did was a golden stout. Two things that were problematic with that. One, we didn't have all the ingredients we thought we had when she put the recipe together. So we kind of, uh, we substituted best we could. I think in the end that we weren't quite sure the base beer was the way it should be. Second problem was we dry hopped with coffee beans. Now our assigned ingredient is coffee slash espresso. I'm sorry, (laughs) it's the other way around. Espresso slash coffee And we both look at that and just think espresso because it's the first word and it stands out to us. And that's probably what the judges and the crowds are going to expect too. So, we kind of want to lean more towards an espresso flavor. So, that was kind of part one of the second problem. The second problem stemming from those coffee beans is that I kept getting this really weird off flavor that I know is coming from the coffee beans. My wife was not, but I am. So, we want to try it with espresso beans and find out what uh difference that makes so that's what's leading into this third test batch now i know i skipped the second test batch because there's a fourth one coming and that is my idea for the beer and that was the second test batch so we'll talk about that in a future episode but we can't talk about any of these beers anymore until we get to brewing so here we go with the brew day for this golden stout getting everything started for this one gallon test batch of this golden stout or white stout if you will whichever your preference i like golden because i think it's more on the nose it's definitely not white it's a golden color but we'll see what we decide if this is the one that we take with us to iron brewer so this is going to be a much simpler brew day than the last one gallon episode i think i've already explained in the Opening that it's going to be done in the old bag in a mash tun or bag in a cooler, whatever you want to call it, way of mashing and then boiling. And it's about it with some things in between there. And I'll describe those more as we go. Right now, I'm getting the water together. I need about 2.6 gallons of water for this. So I've got distilled water. I'm going to start getting that heated up and I'm going to get some salts together to get the profile I want for this particular water, and then just let it get up to 10. Water is on, and the salts are measured, and once the water gets up to about 90, 100 degrees, somewhere around there, I'm going to put in those salts so that they dissolve easier. I'm gonna get the malts together now, and this beer, this recipe is, I guess, I think it's exact, It it may be exactly, I'd have to go back and check, but it's based after I pulled out some recipes of the past. This is uh, the Swamp Yeti recipe, essentially, if not exactly. I'm not entirely sure. I rewrote this, I don't know, a few months ago, so I don't recall if I adjusted some things to round out some numbers. But for the most part, I'd say ingredients-wise, it's got the exact same ingredients. Maybe the amounts have changed. The biggest change in this is going to be the yeast, because I wasn't working with or had a... Stockpile or library of uh, what do you call it? Uh, liquid yeast back then, and now I do, so that's going to be a big change. I believe it was probably the like standard lo- American lager yeast, the dry yeast by Fermentis, the US 05, or is that the British? It's 04 or 05. Uh, this is going to be some more imperial yeast, it's going to be tartan, their Irish uh strain, basically. But for this grist, pretty simple, it's going to be three pounds of Maris Otter. And then one ounce of Caramel 10L, that's what I'm going to mill. And then I'm going to add to that eight ounces of flaked oats and four ounces of flaked barley. Those won't get milled. Those will go in straight as they are. So I've gotten all that together. I just need to mill the actual malts, which is the Maris Otter and the 10L. And for this, for this particular process i mill it twice so i'm going to mill it once into a bucket and then a second time directly into the bag that is already inside the mash tun or the cooler and i'm going to just directly into there save myself one step of pouring it in when i'm done that i'll talk more about that cooler if this is all new to you and that should make more sense here shortly the malts are all milled the flaked uh with the flaked oats and flaked barley i almost forgot what else is in there are inside here. I'll give you a, a word description, a word picture of what this mash tun is. If I've, if, well, it's been a while, so you might not know if you're new to the show, or you might not remember from like 17 years ago when I used to do this show. It's first off inside it. Well, let's work from the outside in better. It's better said. It's a round cooler. It's like the big round coolers you see football players dump on the coaches at the end of the Super Bowl or whatnot. I don't know what those are. They gotta be, they're at least 10 gallons, they're probably 15 or 20 gallons. This is five gallons, but regardless of the size, the exact same shape. Round, a little taller than it is, round. And in the front, where you'd have like the little push button where you get the water or gatorade or whatever it's from, I took that out and put in a turning valve. It's a I guess it's a lever valve, it only goes 180 degrees that I usually would put on a plastic fermenter or a glass fermenter if it had a hole bored into it. It fits perfectly. The, the, the drill holes for the size, whatever you call it, the, uh, the, uh, the shank for both the, both the one that it comes with and this are exact same size, like no difference whatsoever. So instead of having to stand here and hold the button to drain this the whole time, I just, turn. right now, it's, it's, I'm facing it to my right, it's off. I'll turn it 180 degrees to the left, and it'll be on. It'll drain all out. Couldn't be any simpler. Inside that is lined with a brew bag. Very simple item. Picture a very fine mesh bag, and, and, but being very large. Large enough to, oh, it fills the entire uh, height and width of, the, of this cooler, plus has about three inches apron hanging on the outside of it. If you can't picture it, look up brew bag on amazon that's right buy them and you'll see a picture of it doing the same thing but usually to a steel kettle or aluminum kettle, a metal kettle not a cooler uh this one has a drawstring i prefer the drawstrings i have purchased one without it by accident which it, you can you can wrap it up pretty tight and not cause any problems but i prefer the drawstring that way i know it's closed in case the top of it slips in while it's mashing you don't get malts all over your liquid all over your your sweet wort so that's that is it um I'm going to pour the water in. I'm going to stir it up real good inside the bag. I'm going to tie the bag shut and then put the lid on the cooler for an hour, and it will hold at whatever temperature I put that lid on for that hour. It always has. I've been using this for years, and it's rarely deviated. If ever, if anything, it goes down one degree, and that's probably I'm going to guess because it was really on the brink of that degree anyway when I shut it. Otherwise, it'll hold. Um, as far as temperature measurements go, I'm heating up my uh, strike water at 159 degrees. I want to mash at 153. I know with the room temperature of the grains, and I know from past experience, the water will usually drop about six degrees when I put it in. Not always. Sometimes it'll be five, sometimes it'll be seven, maybe even another degree otherwise. Since this is a test, and it's mainly more of a test for the, uh, post-fermentation adjuncts, particularly the espresso, I'm not so worried about one or two degrees. I'm usually not worried about one or two degrees in general, unless it's something I'm really trying to dial in perfectly to see what that particular temperature does. But I know it's gonna get me around 153. So this water will probably be heated up another 10 minutes or so, and then I'll put that in, stir it, seal it, and wait. When I do these one gallon batches, I. Kind of slowly heat it on the uh, electric burner on the stove. I, eh, a little more than halfway I, I turn the uh, heat up on. And when it starts getting close to temperature, it always sounds like a, a old wooden ship in the sea. And I'm going to see if I can catch that sound on here. I don't know if that's the exact description, but that's what it sounds like to me. So if I ever do an audio drama of a ship that's out the sea, I think I'm going to do that for the sound effects. So Anyway, as a little side note, temperature's only got like 0.4 degrees, so I'm going to get ready to get this water into the mash tun. I am starting to put the strike water in the mash tun, and what I usually do since this... Whenever I have more than two gallons in this, it gets close to the top of the boil kettle. So I like to take a measuring cup. And I actually have done this even when it's not that close to the top. Take a measuring cup and I pour it down the sides of the cooler. Well, I leave the, of course, have the, the mesh bag there. But this, I think, helps, at least in my mind, get the entire cooler up to temperature. And take about, I don't know, a little... Maybe I do about half gallon worth of this, and give me some more room to actually lift and pour this in here safely. It makes it a little lighter too. So I'm at the scooping uh, with a measuring cup stage right now, and actually smells a lot like oatmeal because all the flaked oats are on top. So I am eh, let's do one more, do one more, and then I'm gonna set this recorder down and pick up the entire kettle and dump it in. I'm mashed in. I'm taking a temperature reading, and I'm at 152.6, so a little short of 153. Like I said, no big deal, and I'm pretty sure I know why. I had a huge uh, dough ball that turned into a lot of smaller dough balls when I broke it up, and I think that might have been because I had all the flaked barley and flaked wheat on top and didn't stir it in like I usually do, and I think that kind of uh displace the water just down the sides and that this, the middle of those malted grains didn't get the initial uh, covering of water. So I got to remember to not do that again because that was a bit of a pain, but it's all stirred up now. I tied up the bag. I put the lid on. I am going to stir it every few minutes. No, every 15 minutes, not every few minutes, about every 15, maybe 20 minutes now because of the, that dough ball incident i'm pretty sure i got them. i'm sure there's some little ones like maybe smaller than a dime but i'll stir it up just to make sure everything's nice and loose throughout this entire mash so we get full conversion and then uh when that's done we'll get on to the next step i just did the uh, say the first stir but it's probably the only stir i'm going to do the mash i just stirred the mash and there was it's super loose not a single sign of any more lumps so I don't think I'm gonna stir it anymore because I don't wanna um, keep exposing the or releasing the heat out of this. I didn't measure it. I'd imagine uh, I may have lost a couple points of degrees, so I might be in around 52 and a half or a little lower. So I don't wanna push it, even though I said I don't get touch worried about hitting those temperatures. I also don't wanna get it too cold to not get the body I want out of this. So I think I'm good stirring it. I'm just gonna let it sit, Got another 45 minutes to convert all those starches over into sugars, and then I'm gonna. Uh Well, as a step before draining it. I'm going to Vorloff it, which I'll talk about when we get to it. And it's actually probably going to be next, so let's just roll into that. <laughs> the mash is done, and what I do at this point is I have this blue colander that is ins- insanely uh, not tight, uh, just a perfect fit. The size is well, it's almost like it was built to be on top of the cooler. I, I take the bag out, slip the colander on top of the... Uh, Cooler, and then put the bag inside that and let it drain. And I'm going to Vorloff. And what I mean by that is I'm going to start taking some of the wort directly from the cooler and dump it over that grain bag and let it filter out any big pieces I got through this bag. I'm not really going for clarity. This isn't a recirculation in a sense, which is something Vorloff can do, but I'm not going to do that much with it. I'm going to let the... Uh, finding additions that I do take care of that, but I do want to get any husks, any little splinter type things out that the you don't want in to boil because they also create kind of like a tannic flavor. Not that there's a whole lot in there in some as much as a, or as something as small as a one gallon batch, but why even take that chance when I can take like 10 minutes to boil off? I take a two cup measuring cup, I fill it about ten times. And then once that's done, I let it sit for another 10 minutes to drain. And then I put the uh, wort into a kettle, which is probably what's going to be happening next. I didn't mention I got the boil additions ready during the mash as well. And they're pretty simple. And it's, we're going for a flavor profile of a stout, even though it's the golden stout. I Sure, you've gotten it just by now, but it's not a hoppy style flavor profile we're going for so we just got 0.2 ounces of northern brewer at the 60 minute mark at the start of the boil and then 0.1 ounce of Fuggles at 15 minutes and then yeast nutrients at 10 and then world flock somewhere in the five minute range and that's it and this wort is almost up to a boil so i oh i need to take a pre boil gravity reading before it gets there so i'm gonna do that real quick I got the pre boil gravity reading, and my target for this, and I'm going to talk about that here for a second, is 0.1051, but I'm actually at 0.1048, and that is actually higher than I expected. I This, this process, and I know I've kind of talked about this a little bit in the last episode with the going through the process with the Anvil Foundry for one gallon, but this process in particular, for sure, this mesh this cooler ton and not recirculating no temperature control none of that this does tend to come out lower than expected so i compensate by increasing my goal numbers knowing that they should fall somewhere in the middle range of the style i go for the high end of the style and they should fall somewhere in the middle now this is a little Higher than mid-range. So this might end up being higher than that, but it's definitely, I guarantee, well, I say that, I'm expecting, let's say that, my my finishing boiling, tar- boil target, target after boil, whatever you want to call it, is 1.074. I don't think it's going to get there. I am expecting it about 1.068, 1.069, but we'll see. We'll see. I expected the pre-boil to be 1.45 or 6, and it's a little higher than that. So, might get a little higher than I expect, and that's fine. I'll take more alcohol any day of the week. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. It's just a waiting game at this point. Um, boil is starting to break through the hot break. So I'm going to give that another 10, 20 seconds to really get rolling and then add the first hops. And first hops are in. So that was pretty uneventful. The boil got really rolling. And I dropped in the little muslin bag I had tied off of the 0.2 ounces of Northern Brewer. That's it. Really can't add anything else to stretch this out any longer than that sentence I am almost finishing now. Okay, 15-minute mark just came, and I put in the last of the hot boil additions, and that was the 0.1 ounce of Fugles. And in a few minutes, I'll put in the yeast nutrients, and then a few minutes after that, I'll put in the Whirlflock tablet. In the meantime, this is when I start getting everything else together. The, well, what's left is the fermentation uh vessel. In this case, it's a one-gallon fur monster, which is about 1.2. I think it's 1.2 gallons, 1.15 gallons, something like that. A little more than that, but I have it measured out at one gallon, gallon so I have headspace for the yeast. And I've already cleaned all the... Uh, mashing equipment, that takes no time compared to the Anvil Foundry. I will say that, the difference between those two processes. And uh, I can get the yeast out of the fridge, too. I made a small 250-milliliter starter for this of uh, tartan, which is, I believe I, earlier I said it was the Irish yeast. It's Scottish strain, Scottish ale strain uh, from Imperial. Which is the equivalent of a yeast seventeen twenty eight I believe is a strain number for y that I've used in the past. But now I'm just moving over to Imperial, which I've talked about before. So uh, I'm gonna get some sanitizer in the fermenter, some little uh, basket, uh, a basket that wouldn't work. A little bowl of sanitizer for the stopper and lock and get that, get those ready too for to. Uh, for when it's ready to transfer over. Yeah, I think you know where I was going with that. I'm not sure if that entire sentence came out into a complete thought or not. I'll find out when I listen back to this. I am cooling the wort now, and as usual with these stovetop kettle one-gallon brews, it's in a sink with an ice bath, and I'm getting it down to 65 degrees because it is... Well, that's the temperature range for these, but it's also going in a fridge with other similar strains. In fact, I thought about, I just realized there's going to be four in there when this is done. Three of them have this strain, this tartan from Imperial. The other has pub from Imperial, but they all have similar ranges. They might be close to exactly the same. I don't remember what the highs and lows are in both, but they're 65 is a good starting range for these. And all four of these beers were done four days in a row. So when I get to the temperature rising portion of the fermentation it's not that big of a difference in matter of days so i have to get this down to 65 before i even think about that so i'm just going to keep stirring the wort has been put in the fermenter the yeast was pitched into the wort and all that put into the fermentation fridge with a blow-off tube because tartan has a tendency to be super aggressive the first few days i Relearn that with a the first one I put in this fridge, which was a two and a half gallon batch of oh it's a Christmas ale, but I used Tartan for it, and that was a mess. Twenty four hours later, not even twenty four hours later, like overnight, did not want to do that again. So I put a blow off tube. I actually put a blow off tube on every one I put in here for the first two three days. Even the the one using the pub strain, even though that doesn't seem, at least this time, it didn't seem to get as aggressive as that. But after that cleanup, I wanted to be with a better, definitely better safe than sorry. Uh, For the starting gravity that planning I did in BeerSmith to design the recipe to the extreme end and even a little bit over the style range, knowing that through this process uh, it's always lower than targeted, even with adjusting efficiency within BeerSmith, worked out Um, my. Target, according to Beersmith, not my my target, actual target, was 1074. Uh, I wanted it to drop somewhere in the mid-range of the style. And I'm using American Porter as a style base, even though it's a, a blonde-looking beer. That's part of the whole style and idea behind this. You know that. I'm looking for the strength of an American Porter. That range was according to the BJCP guidelines, 1050 to 1070, and my actual starting gravity is 1065. So I did lose nine points from my target in Beersmith, which is gets me in the range I want. I want to be no less than the middle ground of that, but no more than the high end. And I'm a little bit, I guess about three quarters of the way through that. So that is perfect. That is exactly in the range I want for this test batch. When we go, if we end up, Using this recipe for the uh, the beer for the festival, I'll be able to dial in exactly where I want it because my larger batches, starting at two and a half gallons and up, I have that that everything set in beersmith has been dead on for a couple years now, actually. So, but these one gallons, doing it from a bag in a cooler into a kettle on the stove, there's some fluctuation there. Usually on the low side. In fact. I think exclusively on the low side. So that's good. And now it's a waiting game, as it always is with these beers. It's one gallon. It's not super sugary. No additional nutrients or uh, staggered yeast additions are needed. I just got to wait. So you don't have to, because whatever is next is next. I'm getting the coffee edition ready for this Golden Stout, and like I Hopefully we'll explain in the opening of this. We've been given espresso specifically for this challenge. So I'm using whole espresso beans. I'm going to basically dry bean this beer and I'm putting in an ounce, which is a little more than I've done before in the past. But since espresso really needs to be prominent and forward in this beer, I'm putting more in than I I would normally do. And I actually still think that's not quite enough. That's an ounce for one gallon. I think maybe an ounce and a quarter, maybe an ounce and a half would be, might get it to where I would kind of like to see it, but I also can't take it out. So I'm starting with an ounce and then I can add some straight espresso in there. Now that will, we have learned in tests with the previous batch, too much of it will darken the beer so i'm hoping to get it at least close enough that i don't have to put that much direct espresso brewed espresso in there so i'm putting an ounce in a cup now i'm going to cover it with very cheap vodka that we have for tinctures and i'm going to let it sit overnight and that should kill anything that's on the beans for uh, then make them ready and for addition and not carry over any kind of weird bugs or bacteria or even second strain or more of yeast into the beer so i'm going to do that now and then tomorrow morning sometime i will put those into the fermenter it is the next day and i have my espresso beans having been soaked overnight in vodka and i should mention i don't think i mentioned this yesterday or in the previous recording that it's three days before i'm planning to keg this and that is the uh about as long as I want these to sit on the beans. I don't want them to start extracting too much astringency from them. There's going to be a certain amount with it with espresso, but I don't want too much, and I don't want it to start pulling in. Like, I have done one before where I let the coffee sit for like a week. I started to get kind of like that, uh, almost a vegetal flavor. I guess coffee, it's grown on trees, right? I hope I'm (laughs) saying that's right. So there is some probably level of vegetal flavoring in there like chemical chemical wise and the longer it sits i can see it being drawn out especially in a when you have a have it in an alcoholic solution now it's only about a five percent beer so it's not super strong but still there's still a degree of solvency in there so i'm going to dump these in and in three days i'm going to pull all the beer off into a keg and then carbonate and test it out now one thing i didn't do that i did with all my other golden stouts which there's only been like three (laughs) um is that i i'm not putting cacao nibs in here because the last test batch we did i feel like that chocolatey flavor kind of drown out the coffee like i didn't really get uh enough coffee from it so i'm hoping that will uh not be a mistake but There's only one way to find out. I'm not sure I can do a cacao tincture too well without it darkening that beer either. But if it's missing that certain, that sweetness, that little bit of less roastiness and whatnot, I think a couple drops of vanilla, even though vanilla and chocolate are not the same, I think it'll give the, uh, what's the, the perception of it being in there. So we'll see. This is all things I won't know for three days so i'm gonna go ahead and dump those vodka soaked beans and i'm gonna put in the vodka too there's not all that much in there between the 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 gaps of the beans so i'm just gonna dump the whole thing in there i'm not gonna filter it that's uh, the vodka has darkened but this is minimal compared to putting in straight brewed cup of espresso so i'm just gonna dump the whole thing in here and then give it three days and then get it off the beans as it were And we are here at the tasting of the Golden Stout. And I have the glass in my hand. It's the same glass that is in the picture. And I'm gonna take a look at the picture because I am still trying to figure out where in this house with minimal setup, I can set up to take these photos of these beers and show them properly. So let me, okay, this is not a terrible representation of the beer. It's probably a little darker than it actually looks like in this room. So it's a little more golden than that, but it is a dark gold. I mean, it's, it's, whew, it is scratching the door of what's below copper. Maybe I'm not sure anything. Maybe copper is where it would be headed to next, but it's not there. It's not there. It's not terribly clean. And I expected that because I force carbonated this, not with the Blickman quick car, but with the shaking method where you hook up the CO2 line to the keg, crank it up about, man, up to about 10 PSI higher than what you would normally do if you set it and forget it, and shook it. Now, I tried to drain off what was what sediment the dip tube could reach, and I did get a little bit of sediment off of that before I did this, but I'm sure there was some even under that dip tube that probably got mixed into this. So, under normal circumstances, this would probably be clearer, but this is not a normal circumstance. And the head's actually pretty good considering i did that and um usually what happens is the head will pour really really high and then kind of once it settles it falls flat pretty quick but this actually poured pretty well i poured it really 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 slow i put i turned down the the psi on the keg to like five and kind of half held i had a picnic tap half held it open and i got it Okay head on it, a nice white fluffy head, and it's kind of holding. It's starting to fall a little bit into a uh, pretty tight ring of uh, really fine bubbles around the collar and a huge like cluster or continent, an island, I guess, of uh, bubbles on top. But for being not really properly carbonated and done just 20 minutes ago, that's pretty good. So let's check out the aroma. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, even though I know what this beer is, it surprised me. All I smell is coffee, and I did use espresso beans, so it's not quite as strong as espresso, but it is a coffee smell right off the bed. Underneath that, just a little bit of malt sweetness, um, not really any grain character, no hop character at all, just mostly the coffee, but not even that strong. And I think that has a lot to do with dry beaning it for three days while it was at a lower temperature, which actually I think helped something else when I was... Uh, sampling this as I was carbonating it, which which we're going to find out right now if that's true. And what I'm talking about is something to do with the taste, and I'm going to find that out right now. So initial taste right off the bat is first the coffee, followed by a little bit of sweetness. Now I do think, unlike the S B sweetness, I think this might be under attenuated because I rushed it so fast that. I was kind of afraid of when I took the measurements of it, the measurements for the finishing gravity were a little high. I think I was expecting about 1.010 0, 0 or 1.1 1, 1, and got somewhere around one sixteen or so. So that higher number means it's going to be a sweeter beer. Now it's not cloningly sweet, but that also might be because it's hiding behind the coffee flavor. But what I was talking about, which is what I think was an improvement of using espresso beans and adding them while it was cold is that that coffee flavor is coffee flavor. I think I mentioned in the intro, if I didn't, and I'm going to repeat it now, possibly. So apologies if this is a repeat. When we use coffee beans, I got this really weird, best I can describe is chalky mineral taste, which is not something you expect from a bean. It's like of a coffee bean or any kind of bean, you might say, Oh, vegetal or, or even maybe a, 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 like an astringency. Cause it's a roasted bean. I was getting a chalkiness and I hate that flavor. And I don't, didn't just get it in the first version of this beer. I also got it on a beer. We had new year's Eve. It was a coffee stout, I believe. And it had that same thing. I cannot stand that flavor. Not here. This does not have it. This, this, has the coffee taste, but not that weird chalkiness. And I don't think the under-attenuation can hide that because it was so strong in the last beer. So I don't think it's being hidden. I think it's straight up not there for two reasons. One, using espresso beans, and two, cold steeping it. So I basically kind of made a really bizarre version of a cold brew without grinding the beans, I think, is what that comes down to. So let's give it another taste, see if I get anything else out of it when it comes to... Really looking at the coffee flavor, playing with the beer. The body of this is really nice. It's really smooth, clean, uh, bordering on medium body, not quite there. Stouts typically are more a full-bodied, I think, or medium to full body. And Irish it depends on the kind of stout. Irish stout is a little m- more delicate, and American stout is like right in your face. This is uh, it's it's a nice smooth body. It's a really pleasant drink, and the carbonation level is actually quite good. <laughs> I'm surprised with that quick uh, shake and bake or shake and carb, whatever you want to call it, how how nice the carbonation is on this beer. There is a, a nice creaminess to it too, and that might have something to do, uh, well, it's actually, I, think it a, I was going to say, it's something to do with the extra sugars in there, giving a little more body, but it probably has to do with the carbonation too. It's actually a really nice beer altogether. The coffee's not super strong. It could be stronger, especially if this was going to competition. But at this point, if I was going to add coffee to it, I could add brewed coffee to it, And it's going to darken the beer a little bit, but I don't have to add that much. So, I think it'll still hang out in that gold range a little bit. I wish I'd actually prep some espresso to put in here to test that theory, but I didn't. And there's a (laughs) kind of a reason for that. We've sort of already decided. Now, this might change when I actually make the beer. We kind of decided we're going to go with the IPA because we want to go with what a crowd is not expecting, to add a little bit more to the story of Iron Brewer last year the the beer that got first place actually the, I'll tell you about the beer that got second place I, it was a cucumber ghost i think so the cucumber flavor i think surprised a lot of people the winning beer was a passion fruit IPA and there wasn't real a whole lot of passion fruit flavor to it but the brewer that made it drew a ton of color out of that be, out of that passion fruit Have you ever seen or i'm sorry dragon fruit dragon fruit i Yeah, I don't want to go back and record that, but it's dragon fruit. So, put that in your head. The outside of a dragon fruit is a bright pink, almost red, but not quite there. So, he drew a ton of color out of the entire dragon fruit using the pulp and the skin and everything else. And this pink IPA, it was a good IPA, don't get me wrong. It was very good IPA. But this IPA that was pink is what really sold a lot of people visually. So, we're thinking coffee and cream that's still tasting an IPA is where we want to head with the crowd trying to get the crowd favorite but we haven't decided that yet i'm going to give you a heads i'll give you a heads up here for future recording actually i've already started the brew i'm just waiting to get to the coffee part i've made that same ipa with lactose for the kind of cream and a little bit of sugar character to it too and i'm waiting for the fermentation to stop so i can start dropping the temperature and i'm going to cold bean this as well or dry, cold dry bean. It's Still a term that <laughs> sounds weird to say, even though I've been saying it to myself for weeks now. But add, add the espresso beans while it's cold for about three days. Maybe four. I don't really want to push it. I want three because if I get the same amount of espresso coffee flavor that I'm getting out of this Golden Stout and that IPA, we're in good shape. Now, I'm actually happy that this is turning out the way it is. Because if I totally just destroy that IPA test... This is not a far cry from a re- like what I want to say it's it's not a I don't want to use a negative term saying it's a, it's not a bad replacement it's 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 a very actually of the, let's say this right now it's in the lead of the three beers I've made I'd be happy to serve this I think people would have a lot of fun with it especially if we kept the color like this which we might actually you know if we end up doing it we might not fuss with it with the espresso we just leave the coffee where it is if the IPA doesn't work this is this is already the second place, and I have absolutely no problem with that. So this has potential to be our beer for Iron Brewers. let going see how that IPA turns out. As far as the beer goes itself, I'm actually quite enjoying it a lot, even with that residual sweetness. So I'm wondering if I actually am under attenuated, and we go to brew it and it ferments out, if that's going to change the taste at all. Probably not terribly much with those levels. It comes out to about... Oh, 5.2%. I think if it fully attenuated, it'd be about 57 seven or so. So a little more ABV, a little less sweetness. But we could always probably add in some sweetness the day of the competition to taper it down. You can do almost anything. Well, I mean, you don't want to <laughs> make people sick. But I mean, as far as flavoring, you can do almost anything day of competition because the beer will be gone. You don't have to worry about long-term effects of uh, exposing your beer to oxygen or even oxygenating it, mixing something in. So we might be able to pull it off if the IPA doesn't work out. Let me taste this again and see if I can draw anything else out of this. Oh, it's actually very good. Funny part about this is, I didn't mention this because we didn't, I didn't start the show again when we made the first one. First one, we used cacao nibs and that gave it way too much sweet character, like uh, just uh, too much going on and, and the coffee was there but lost. Taking that out. Really lets the coffee shine and play with the rest of this beer a, a lot better. And I, I'm I'm glad I didn't put the cacao nibs in this one. So this is this is actually a pretty damn good beer. We might do something with this for, uh, if we don't do it for Iron Brewer, maybe we'll do it for a festival. I'm starting to really, <laughs> this beer is really starting to grow on me. And I'm not getting drunk because it's only like 5.2% and I drank maybe three ounces at best. I don't even think that's right. I think maybe two, but let's make it three. I tell you, I love the body and the carbonation on this. That's something I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to duplicate, that carbonation. But, oh, man, it's just so... It, every sip, I tilt the glass back, and the carbonation comes back out in this nice, fine layer. This has been a really enjoyable experience. So, all right, let's answer a couple of questions I'm going to make up off the top of my head. One, well, let's go to a competition. We're going to leave that unanswered. We're going to leave that unanswered for a few episodes. We, It might. It might. It might show up for the... Uh, Iron Brewer Competition. It might show up in a spice beer category. It might even uh, might even be made again for even more competitions. This is actually very good. Uh, would I make this again? Yeah, I think at the very least this will be made again for a festival because we do enjoy making beers outside the box for festivals. We like being in between breweries that are serving super crispy lagers and then on the other side it's doing super dank ipas which you can get almost anywhere at any brewery we like being that one in the middle that's serving a malamore porter or a golden stout or maybe even a coffee and cream ipa we'll see so i think this because this is easy to make it coffee the coffee character is just putting in some beans soaked in vodka for three days man i just stirred this beer up again the head is coming up it's a beautiful white fluffy head this is I don't think I can ever carbonate a beer this good again. And that was dumb luck. Uh, there's probably a third question. Am I ha- oh yeah, am I happy with this beer? Hell yeah. I mean, is <laughs> it not evident? I am going to finish this and I'm going to eagerly wait for my wife to get home and pour her a glass and show her what her recipe did. I was just, I was the, I was the cook. I was the computer that processed the software. She wrote the software. That's a weird analogy, but that's really what what happened here. So I'm excited for her to try this. Man, this is a a success. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Something's going to happen with it, or at least this recipe. That's for damn sure. Man, this is a fun experience. This came out, like I said, this is not the first golden stout recipe or uh, episode on this feed, but it is the best. This came out way better than Swamp Yeti. Swamp Yeti. Had that weird mineral thing with the coffee beans I was talking about. This doesn't. That's the one thing. That's the only thing that needed to go in that beer, and it's gone in this beer. This beer is awesome. This is really good. So, all right, with that, I'm going to go enjoy this. I'm going to go pour another glass to share with my wife. I might have to top mine off to uh, enjoy that conversation. Like, that sounded weird. sounds like I need to have a full beer to enjoy a conversation with my wife. That's not what I meant, but go ahead and take that joke for whatever you want. Let me say, of course, thank you for listening. Check out OrlandoBeerNetwork.com. That is the main home for all the beer stuff we're doing. Home brewing, Orlando area brewing, reviews, episodes, two girls, one brew, big monster brewing, and I hope, I hope very soon to have our orlando themed kind of orlando beer report episode going we're not going to do the thing that i think every local beer podcaster does and interview every single owner of every brewery we're we're not going to do that we're going to talk to some but that's not what the episodes are going to be at least we hope to they might not want to talk to us but we're going to talk about what we love about orlando beer what we did with orlando beer what's coming up with an orlando beer and i really would like to have what is the core of the Orlando beer community, and that's the homebrewers. I want to have them on the show and talk to them. In fact, uh, one of my friends in my homebrew club was the fourth ranked, barely missed third, ranked fourth in homebrewer of the year this year. So, kind of want to talk to them about that. The close but no cigar story is almost sometimes more fun than actually taking it all. So, and and I think you can you can tell a good story when it comes to that. But we'll see. That's all in the future. Until then, that's it. I will say thank you for listening, and I will see you in that next episode.